Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. This is brought to our listeners by Hemmings House Pictures and Vision Coaching Inc. Edible Matters, Ripple Effect Music Studios, and Robert Simmons. The best clothing to make you feel and look like Greg and Dave from the Bowling Point Podcast. Com. Robert Simmons, making us look good. Thank you to all of our sponsors that make the Boiling Point Podcast possible. Bam. All right, let's roll. We're back in the Boiling Point. Um, Dave, good to see you, buddy. Good hey, to see hey you. listen, has the baby come yet? No. Oh, Long, okay. We, got, we have time. Um, so, we're talking so months or hours? We're, we're talking months, okay. I hope. I hope. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm understanding. <laughs> um, but thank you. Um, and as people may have learned last episode, yes, we are pregnant and we're in our 40s. And it's a, it's a <laughs> new phenomena in the world. Um, but I'd like to talk to you about um, this really, this documentary that is on fire um, that is that you guys have produced with CBC Canadian Broadcasting Corporation um, around. It's called City on Fire, and yeah. and it's with a, a a previous guest, James Mullinger. James Mullinger, the, the comedian. Yeah, and and um, and I noticed on the credits when I watched it, you're the executive producer. Amazing. And well, and here's what I wanted to learn <laughs> about. I mean, not only the documentary, and we can't we we I don't we want to get to our guests. So we can't go. Well, we're going to get more on this later, but um. But your your credit because you because I was going to be an, an executive producer and you had a way of describing that to me that role <laughs> so tell me about what that exactly is okay an executive producer is essentially the CEO of the project okay so when you see movies with a million executive producers what that really means is there's probably one or two or three executive producers it's the people that brought the money to the table okay so. In the movies, when you see nine or ten executive producers, that's you. It doesn't mean they have any film experience necessarily. It means they brought money to the table. Uh, a lot of dentists in the world uh, are executive producers in Hollywood. You know, so you know what? We will go back, come back to this because it's interesting dialogue. The whole city on fire thing. We yes. should do a whole episode on that. I think so. But talking about Hollywood. And talking about executive producers. And the master segues. And Greg talking Hemings. about the industry of film and video and media, we have today Dylan Berry from Smash House, a friend of mine that I met at uh, Real Screen, which is a television production um, producers, executive producers market in Washington, D.C. Dylan Berry, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you very much, gentlemen. How are you up there in the chilly north? Well, it's it's it's, it's living the dream. It's living I heard the dream. you. I heard you say that earlier. I love that. That's exactly what we're attempting to do in in the chilly north here. <laughs> so, Dylan, what, why don't you why don't you give us an intro, my uh, uh, my friend? Everything you you you're up to so many different things. You know, uh, I want to hear uh, you know all of, all about bomb pop and the Smash House. But uh, Dave has not met you yet, uh, nor have our audience. So, yeah, give us a lowdown, man. Well, it, it, believe it or not, they're sort of all related. <laughs> it, it sounds like a billion things, but essentially I've got three efforts 
if I can call it that. Um, one is Smash House, uh, which used to be Smash House Music Group, but we're evolving out of music. Um, basically, or evolving into other things as well as music. But basically, we're a, uh, a large-scale custom music shop. Uh, I, I started off composing music and producing music and was in bands and did all that. Uh, and then I ended up doing lots of different TV shows and needed to try to duplicate myself so that I could get home at a reasonable hour because I, I started having kids, you know. That's um, and so I built a bunch of technology so I could uh, pull in composers from all over the world that I thought were great. And then I realized I didn't have enough clients to support all the composers. So I went and started to embed in post-production houses and production companies to sort of be ushered into the relationship with the people that were constantly going through those places. Well, for people that don't know, a post house is where you go to, to mix a TV show or to color it or to make it follow a broadcast standard before it goes on air on television. So producers at one point or another go through these pipelines. So I, I tried to crack the code on how do I get relationships, and that was, that was a great way. So, <laughs> so that's Smash House. On the top tier of Smash House, I've always um, sort of led with my own composing. So I've done a lot of um, network branding campaigns. I actually branded the Rogers Network up. I think that's in your neck of the woods, isn't it? No kidding. Maybe that's it is. Wow. That, that, that's, yeah. a, that's a national brand, uh, uh, Dylan, up here. See, I'm one of you people. You are. Yeah, you're pr you're pretty much Canadian at this point. I, I, and I fish, so I'm in. Oh, um, dang. Now you like hockey, right? Tell us you like hockey. Of course I like hockey. <laughs> in fact, I think I did the network brand for <laughs> hockey teams up there. Anyway, um, so I've, I've done these network branding things, and network branding is literally where you do the theme song for the network. So, you know, if it's ESPN, it's like da 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 you know, um, which was probably off-key and wrong, when I just probably ruined myself. But anyway, um, <laughs> so that's that turned into me wanting to have more fun with the music than just doing TV stuff. So I started the Filthy Fidgets and uh, we produce artists and, um, you know, we just did some stuff with uh, Imagine Dragons and a rapper out of uh, uh, Baltimore called Rai Rai and Spank Rock and we just did the single on the... Um, you asked me to drop these names, by the way. This is kind of usually embarrassing, but... We did the single for the Living End, which is they're playing the football final in Australia next week wow. with Sting and um, yeah, with Sting tops, and Van Joy. Yeah, whatever. So those are that's the record side, and then I've got Bomb Pop, which is my um, it's kind of like boiling point, but for the music industry and for music entrepreneurs. So I, I interview people that uh, have done interesting things, mostly artists, <clears throat> you know, recording artists. And we've been pretty, pretty, you know, lucky to be able to pull the the guests that we have, especially since it's just, you know it's a small radio show turned web series. Um, so all of that in in a nutshell has been really great because I've learned from everybody in that process. I've learned from the producers and people in the post house about the TV world. My wife is a producer. Um, I used to art direct. 20 years ago till I got before I got the music thing off the ground. I've learned from all the artists that I've met with from superstar level down to emerging, you know, and everybody in between because Smash House is a licensing company too. So <clears throat> kind of given a broad spectrum on the state of the, the music and music and media industry anyway. 
Well, that's my perspective. That's uh, that's amazing. And Dave, uh, when you go home, man, you got to check out Bomb Pop. It's uh, it, it, and and Dylan uh, explains it right. It's kind of like. And this is how kind of we we hit it off anyway. We started talking about podcasts, and he said that he's got a radio show turned podcast, you know, web web series. Uh, and the cool thing is, you get to hear a ton of great music in it as well. So right it, it feels like a, a, a radio show with music with boiling point, cool interviews stuck in the middle, you know, and and video, <laughs> you know. Um, so one thing I didn't mention is we do it all in support of independent artists. I mean, we do interview the fancy people, but we do it to bring their name and acclaim next to a new emerging artist that should shine too. So it's really a community support thing. And it led, I guess that would, you know, it helps lend credibility as well. And, and, you know, I guess probably exposes your audience to people that they wouldn't typically see like a guy, you know, like, like what's an example of a really great emerging artist that we should be aware of that we're not. Um, man, there's this guy, Morgan Marvar, he has you won't even you haven't even heard it yet <laughs> but but he's so good it, he's like a, a justin timberlake meets um uh uh uh, uh like g meets uh jeff buckley like it, it's wow. crazy what he can do with his voice <laughs> and he can rap and he can do all of it it's nuts but um that keep an eye out for that because that guy's that guy's is morgan marvar Morgan Marvar, but we're go- he goes by Mojo. Mojo, okay. And, and, and just as a side, to 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 do a, a JT versus uh, Jeff Buckley, I didn't think that was human. <laughs> I don't think that's it, possible. You know, but that's the thing; he can get as greasy as as you know Timberlake, but then he can hit those crazy. Like if you've never heard the record, uh, was it Grace? Oh, where he does. Yeah, that, that, that's the best album that he's got, man. Well, he had. <laughs> I mean, there, there's some virtuosic moments in there that this this dude will hit. You know, he's a 22-year-old guy out of a tiny little town in Ohio. It's insane. Wow. So anyway. Okay. Um, well, we'll do- another one who's great is, uh, 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 oh, my God, I interviewed him on the show, and I can't even remember the name right now. That, 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 that's how emerging he is. <laughs> <laughs> It'll come to you. But in the meantime, while you're thinking about it, tell us about yeah, the, destru- the destruction of traditional music industry, you know, and, and this is something that like, like Greg would be closer, um, to what you do than, than I would. I mean, I'm an, I'm an appreciator of music. I, I wouldn't, uh, I can't, unfortunately I can't call myself a musician, but I love music. I love listening to it. I, I don't understand the industry, but I, but, but when I, when I saw this come across in terms of, you know, a topic, I'd love to hear your take on it. Um, and, and part of it is about the evolution of, um, the music in the new digital era and like kind of, I just like to hear, you know your take on on where we are because uh, we've we've moved away. It, you know, just even how my kids consume music is so much different than how I would have back. You know, not even a decade ago. Absolutely. Well, there's there's two stories there. One is is traditional, you know, record labels and the music business and how how your kids consume music. Then there's also the media music industry, which is a whole other debacle. <laughs> but I'll start with traditional industry. Basically, you know, the model changed a few different ways over the years. It used to be that record labels would put recording artists in the studio and pay them a fee. Like, you know, okay, Frank Sinatra, come into the studio, here's five grand, sing the song. They walk away and they never saw another dime from that. Um, it then evolved to, hey, Frank, we'll give you, a, a, you know, a million dollars, come into the studio, 
we'll record the record, but we own the record, and we're going to recoup against not only everything that we paid for you to be here and your advance and the pr- production of the record at a premium rate. We're not talking soft costs. We're not talking we're going to absorb this and that, but we're going to charge you as if this is retail for everything. And we're going to take 99% of your business, and we're going to give you a, what, 4 four to 7% mechanical on everything you sell. So, you know, if you sell a million CDs, you got 4% of the retail price of those CDs after cost. So it's, and it's, I think it was gross profit. So but, out of a million bucks, um, we're, we're, we're down into the thousands. Yeah, you're, you're, you're broke. <laughs> so that was the traditional record industry. Now, it was entirely based off of sales because, you know, tours and all of that did well, but they didn't do nearly as well as they do now because I know how you guys felt about it, but when I was younger, I wasn't paying 120 bucks for a concert ticket, you know? Um, so basically what happened is Napster happened, you know, digital came about, which leveled retail sales, which basically took the industry down. I don't want to throw out a percentage, because I don't know the accurate, accurate percentage, but, it's sort of like if I told you, well, your business is in a million dollar a year business and now it's a $200,000 business overnight. That's basically what happened. So what that did is it led to these strategic deals where people like Madonna are going to AEG who throw all the large concert tours and doing deals directly with them and just skipping record labels. Then they would just hire record labels like they used to hire like record labels used to pimp artists. The artists started pimping record labels and say, no, I don't want your advance. I don't want anything. I got that from AEG. I want you to do 5% of my business and help support my tour because you have the infrastructure. And that's it. Leave me alone. I get my own concessions. I own my own brand. Don't tell me who I can work with and who I can't. And so that led to <clears throat> companies pulling back on putting out any new records, really, and just supporting legacy artists and rehashes and that's why if you go to Target, you know, 90% of it is ACDC remastered again, you know. Um, <laughs> That's true. So, so it, it, kind of, it kind of leveled the whole business. And, and now, I mean, I walked into Warner Brothers Records last month, and there's a spaceship-sized floor with no one in it. And there's one guy at the end of the, at the, end of the whole spaceship in the back office, and it says A&R on the door. Goodness sakes. <laughs> just insane. In fact, they just moved out of that building because they couldn't occupy it. And so, I mean, it, it, the, the industry itself on the record side, ha, ha, that industry has died. I can't say I'm sad to see it go because I couldn't get a call with any of those guys back in the day anyway. You know? Um, so, I'll give you a short version of what's happened now so I don't want to be overwinded on this thing. But basically, the distribution has been sorted out with companies like TuneCore and Believe Digital, who do a really great job of taking music for $9 and putting it out everywhere in every digital outlet across the world. So distribution, boom, doesn't cost you anything anymore. It used to cost millions, costs nine bucks now. Um, marketing, you can do it on social media, you know, and if you're really, really going hard at it, you might have to pay, you know, 2500 to five grand a month to support social media, you know, if you're a, a, a star who's bringing in money. Other than that, you just do it yourself. So you can do your own marketing now and reach an audience where you couldn't before and you were dependent on labels. Um, <laughs> producing music, sitting on your computer right now, is probably two programs for free that can allow you to produce quality music. So you don't need to spend a mint 
unless you're spending it on the silky fidgets, which you should do, you know. But everybody <laughs> else can do it themselves. Yeah. Well, so all of all of the costs except marketing, and even marketing because you can do market on social media and tour support have really been deferred to much more cost effective self managed route. Yeah, and I, I I can I can relate to that too, Dylan, because um, I've I bought Ableton Live for I don't know, let's say four hundred dollars or I don't know how much it is, but I also got the Ableton Push as well, the console, and uh, I mean the music that I've been making and not sharing with the world, but I've been experimenting with the drum kits sound so real that I'm making, and the the bass guitars are so real, and I was like. I can totally see, like within one night, I can compose a whole song that actually sounds like real, mu- real musicians playing real instruments, and we didn't spend a dime. Uh, I can see that it's amazing uh, where the technology is taking us on on the production side. I mean, if you listen to some of the theme packages out there that may or may not be mine, you hear a massive, huge orchestra, and really, all I hired was you know, a 12-piece orchestra to play it 10 times over the program stuff, which, by the way, is a live orchestra. It's just recorded in such a nimble way now and triggered in such a nimble way that somebody who's savvy can play a full orchestra and fine-tune those little things that make it inhumanoid, you know? So all of those things is what contributed to the music industry, you know, the big label industry you're not you know we don't need you for distribution anymore we only kind of need you for marketing and the only reason we need you for marketing is because you have sting and we need to put our artists opening up to them (laughs) that's our marketing you have some influencers we want to be involved with that but other than that instead of going five million dollars in debt to maybe or maybe make or break your career and 90 percent of the time or more break your career that's the point zero 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 one percent that could ever get a record deal in the first place. Instead of going into debt like that, never seeing any money, and by the way, I know many multi-multi-platinum stars broke as a joke. I hate to say it, and I ain't going to say who they are, but I, it, it, this is a sad story. Instead of doing that, they'll put $100,000, $200,000 out, build their own marketing, distribute through digital, do all of this, and make a million back instead of five, but... That's a big profit compared to what they were making. You see? Mm -hmm. So it's just a better business model for the stars. Getting from being not known and being known is easier now with YouTube and influencer networks and social media. You can be a viral star, but it's still hard. Yeah, I was just going to ask you you that because I was thinking, you know, it's kind of like this is me kind of um, from a layman perspective. As I'm listening, I'm thinking, wow, this is really cool because, you know, anyone can start producing, but but wouldn't it be, you know, then then you probably got so much more content out there. How do you how do you become noticed, you know, um aside from, you know, being on on Bomb Pop and stuff like that, but you know, like what what would how do people get recognized? Like what would be the strategy around that? I mean, cuz it probably there's all there's probably amazing artists that 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 um, even someone you as close to the the grassroots Dylan aren't aware of, you know. And I'm just wondering, you know, like what do you recommend to people? Well, you you nailed the the new music industry because those people are becoming the important people, you know, the tastemakers, the ones that people entrust to help them find those 
artists and also the the instruments, you know, the tools, the Spotify's or whatever it is you're using. Mm -hmm. That's why there's all this money going into Spotify and all these companies is everyone knows that that's where the value is because yes, now everybody can go to market. Now it's not about one big company choosing the 10 people you're going to listen to. It's about a million people choosing the 500 people you're going to listen to and somebody going through them and saying, no, nah, no, nah, just listen to these 10. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, but it, it's just a different world. But the friction point is the quality filtering mechanism. That's what everybody's trying to solve right now. And where, and where, where, where is the industry in that continuum? Well, um, I think it's interesting because a lot of the large social media companies that surround music are trying very hard to launch their own sort of surrogate label system because they can look under their hood and they can say, look, there's here's 200 independent artists. These 20 sell over 100,000 MP3s consistently. These two sell over 250,000. You know, let's let's go get in bed with those guys and then we'll relaunch them to our own community and then extend it from there. So that's kind of some of the things that are happening. And like a, but, a, a good example of that would be Red Bull. So you've got Red Bull Media House making awesome films, but there's also Red Bull Music, which actually is just like a record label. I think it is a record label. And it represents artists who are making great music that their films are using a soundtrack. So it's it, we're right. kind of seeing the system kind of rebuild itself, but probably on a f way more fair uh, business model. W what would you say about that, about brands now getting involved with repping, repping uh, artists? Well, it, you know, it, it's like anything. It's like, you know, music licensing. Once the word hit the street that, oh my God, this is a great way to make money, then every dick in his duck wants to try doing it. Um, the same thing with the influencer networks. Some are doing it effectively, like Red Bull. I think Red Bull is, has been amazing in the sports world and is doing a fair job in the um, in the music world, for sure. Uh, I, I would say, to your point, that... Well, I mean, let's, let's think of it like this. Artists have opportunities for exposure points. Those exposure points are figuring out ways to get money out of artists and their fan bases to offer exposure points. So the new industry is becoming who owns the most eyeballs. Right. You know, so everybody's fighting to grab the most eyeballs because then they wield the power, right? Um, you know, Spotify is an interesting business because it really does it really does work. Like if I go on there and I say that really song or some crazy song, it's gonna filter all these other artists that do that kind of thing. That's a great service, human or not. Um and then yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. There's so many different different avenues that you can exploit as exposure points that can then whether it's a subscription model or some sort of service. 
when just to change gears quickly and, and um man i mean it's so it's so fascinating hey eh? like and and just to hear just to talk to you dealing with someone too close to this tell the, the um and I'm, I'm totally shifting gears here but i'm thinking of your work um that you do and and this is just me not really understanding what this means um, but like when your media music work and then, and there's this list of, of the, you know, kind of shows that I would be familiar with that you've done work on. So like, what would be an example that the audience would kind of understand when, as it relates to you being, I, I'm assuming a composer, um, uh, around some of this, is that, would that be accurate? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Composer, which is basically a music producer for, for media stuff. I definitely don't hold a wand like Harry Potter and, wouldn't, wouldn't have the first clue what to do with an orchestra, but, <laughs> okay. I, <laughs> you know, and by the way, I've been in that position and I look like a total idiot. Oh, I'm just, <laughs> you know, like this, like this. They're like, no, it's not like this. You have to write it out for us. You know, anyway. Um, so, so, I mean, there's, there's different examples. What I think you're getting at is how, how is, how does the business work for media music? A couple examples, maybe. Is that the question? Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like what? Like what is it? Like what is you know? What does that mean? I mean, because I think what a lot of us consume, you know, um, you know, TV as an example, but we're not even really sure what's happening behind the scenes. You know, like Greg would be obviously as a filmmaker, but I mean, a lot of people just kind of assume it all comes together and somehow magically, you know, and well, the music it does. Is it being... does because there's really good executive producers. Exactly. Dave. There we go. Bam. <laughs> so, but but for those that that don't understand that, and I've had a I've had a bit of a chance to kind of work behind the scenes, um, enough to be dangerous. But you know, but you know, I I be honest, I don't really understand whole the whole you know media music piece. All right, so composers, music producers, let's just let's just make it content focused. Music content in media makes money in two ways. It either gets paid an upfront, well, it gets paid an upfront fee. And then it makes a residual every time it airs on television as if that person were showing up with their guitar and playing a nightclub and getting paid for that in some casino in Vegas, right? Now, I wish those rates were comparable, but the residual rates are actually quite low these days. However, so if I go to, let's say, you know, I did, I did American Idol and Great Thing You Can Dance, shows like that. Those shows are really catalog plays, right? So they, they need a lot of music to cover various moods. They need, okay, we need detention music when someone's going to get voted off and it's going do, 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 you know. And then we need the, like, the kid who rolls up in town has been sleeping in the back of his car and drove three straight states to get there. And it's like, ah, da, 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 welcome to Hollywood, you know. Yeah. But people source to. So those are usually handled by a music catalog. In my case, Smash House's niche was custom music catalog. So we would have a lot of hands create large-scale music that they could pull from that was brand-focused. A good example of that is the sing-off on NBC. We did that show. All vocal acapella instrumentals, non-lyrical. <laughs> Didn't exist in the world because they need everything to just be do 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 you know? Yeah. So we created for a certain budget per show. They'd say, okay, here's your budget. We would go create a large body of music. We would profit a certain amount of that money that we used for the production funds and then we would put that music in the tv show then every time it aired we would get residual checks every three months based on a couple things one what was the viewership was it prime time was it off um prime time which would be you know after 11 30 at night and Mm -hmm. before eight o'clock or or six o'clock whatever it is i think they change all the damn time um the rates differ 
the rates differ if it's a theme song or if it's just a background instrumental or if it's a featured vocal or if it's an on-camera vocal, like somebody actually singing or lipping, you know, mouthing the word, like mm. lip sync battle. It's on-camera feature, which pays more than if it was just music playing under somebody talking. So within all of that craziness, there's companies that, by the way, proclaim to capture your money and do a really, really bad job of it. BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, they're performing rights organizations. You register your songs with them and you say, okay, I own this much of the writer's side, this much of the publisher's side. And every time a cue sheet, which is what captures what aired on what TV show, comes into them, they track it against every time it played, and they pay you whatever your fair share of that money is. Okay. This is when it gets complicated. <laughs> each, each TV network negotiates a deal with those performing rights organizations for their entire catalog. So if Greg has all his music in ASCAP, and ASCAP negotiated a deal for a million dollars at ABC, and Greg's music was 2% of all music airing on ABC, theoretically, Greg would get 2% of a million dollars in residuals that year. For dumb math. Doesn't really work out that way because BMI and ASCAP are mom and pop shops. They're not regulated by any sort of, you know, committee. They're not unionized. So basically, they spend a lot of time losing your money accidentally, and it goes into an account, and then they, they, they sit on it for three years until your contract says you can no longer claim it, and then it circulates back into their quote, nonprofit company. Don't get me started about this. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that, that sounds I, like an episode on its own. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, not, I'm not hugely popular, popular with those companies because they exploit and, and, and have no transparency and lose a lot of money, which I can prove and so can, you know, the thousands of people I work with. So <laughs> This is when the boiling point gets real scandalous. I like it. <laughs> hey, man, you want a boiling point? I'll give you some boiling point. <laughs> we wanted the dirt. Come on, go there. Well, look, if, if, it, was, if it wasn't true, I wouldn't say it. That's true. So, you know, yeah, well, if there's anyone who thinks I'm lying, give me a call. <laughs> now, Dylan, um, like always, uh, we're just getting into the meat of it, and now we're our our time is coming up to a close. I really think we have to continue this on uh, on a future episode as well. What I want to do right now is let's get people to you. So um, throw out your pitch because there are producers that listen to this uh, television. Uh, uh, there's musicians that listen. Like, what can our audience do to to help grow your businesses? Well, first of all, if you're interested in the business, uh, bombpoptv.com is a good place to start. Also, if you're an independent artist, you can throw your music up, and uh, we have thousands of people looking at that every day. Um, smashhouse.com, and house is spelled like the pancake house, so it's smash, H-A-U-S.com, so house, it's like German stuff. Um, you can go there if you're a composer and you want to get into the biz. Um, we're, we're sort of an agency. And our, our new position isn't to focus so much on catalog music anymore. We are, are working directly with the largest networks to work with them to build internal catalogs for them directly. So we're cutting out the middleman, which is something that's going to be a little bit disruptive in the next year. Well, um, well the, and that's probably, whenever you're ready to talk about that, that 
you let us know because that would be really cool to have a half hour with you on that topic. I would absolutely love to. Okay. Yeah, I, I think there's some broken things in the business, and I'm I'm trying to work with the community uh, to fix them and still have a business that can survive. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think that'd be a great forum topic. Awesome. Man. Uh, so, and, and then the only the other one is filthy fidgets. It's all online, but if you just Google Dylan Barry D Y L A N Barry B E R R Y, you'll find me on there. And I do check my LinkedIn and all of that. When people can claim the the the, the Google reference, say, "Ah, just Google me." You know that they've made some impact. <laughs> Listen, Dylan, uh, you, you are one of, uh, you and your lovely uh, uh, wife, Marie, are, are two of the, lo- the the best people that I met at Real Screen that year. I'm so glad we continued their our uh, connection. And I know that one of these days we're going to be collaborating. Dave, we've been talking about this for a long time. And, uh, and there's something cooking. We don't know what it is yet, but we're going to be doing something together uh, in the down the road. So, Dylan, thanks so much for being on with us and uh, really exposing a part of the media world that a lot of people don't know about, yeah. like Dave said. Yeah, no, so. exactly. Thanks, Dylan. Nice meeting you. A- absolutely. And I just wanted to say real quick, man, I'm a big fan of your work as well and the show. And, uh, you know, great. You guys are doing some amazing stuff up there, really positive, cool productions. So keep it up, man. Thanks a lot, Dylan. Appreciate it, brother. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right. See you all later. Okay. Yeah. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Uh, take what great guy. I mean, you, you know what? He he deconstructs that whole industry like you know really well. I mean, he's deep in it. So, um, but you know, on again, like on the outside, you don't you don't even completely understand it. And um, it, it's it's taken me years to figure it out oh because like every time a TV and it's funny because our, our next get, uh, guest Matt is actually in the audience with us or yeah. in the audience yes. in the studio and we've got the, the headpo- massive audience we've got the headphones on he doesn't so yeah. he's got no idea what we're yeah. actually talking yeah. about which yeah. <laughs> is kind of funny but um, uh, you know it, it has taken us years to figure this out but every time one of our TV shows or documentaries plays the organization we work with is called SoCap so the artists that produce all the music for our our shows actually get paid every time CVC plays. So it, uh, it's actually a really good thing. Yeah. In Canada, it does work quite well. Yeah. Uh, but there are a number of organizations uh, south of the border I know nothing about. Right. Uh, and it was really cool to hear that broken down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's, um, I mean, he's very charismatic too, eh? Oh, he's such a great, great, great human being. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Well, thanks for the intro. All right, Dave. We'll see all you right. next week. Okay. Okay. So, Greg, you know what? We have the luxury of doing this podcast, which we've enjoyed for 130-odd episodes. Um, And the reason we're able to do this is because we've got these great companies supporting us. Um, A couple we should mention. One I'm a big fan of, Hemmings House Pictures. And uh, that's your company. Thanks, Dave. And it is great work. Uh, You just got to go and check out their website to see it. I've actually used you guys a number of times to do a documentary, do a corporate video, and uh, so it's accessible to small and large businesses and wonderful at helping um, business tell story and, and movements, to, you know, help shaping story around, you know, wh- what's happening in the world. So thank you to HHB. Well, I, I'd like to say thank you to one of the, the Hemings House team members, uh, Tim Davidson, and we're actually in his his uh, other company's studio right now, Ripple Effect Music. So uh, Tim is yet another community-minded 
person who is essentially donating his studio, uh, the studio that we use at Hemings House to make all of our films sound good. Um, so he's a part of this. Another really important uh, person uh, is Matt, uh, Matt Weber. Mm-hmm. And he his company is uh, Edible Matters. It's an incredible restaurant out in Hammond's uh, Plains outside Halifax, Nova Scotia. He's the one that edits this, all, this, all this stuff together, puts the show notes together, and uploads these podcasts every single week. And then... Going back to my good friend who I'm looking at right now, Dave Vale, the big guy with the biggest muscles I've ever met in my life, who also, Dave, you um, you have to know that without you in the early days of me shaping Hemings House, I probably wouldn't have created Hemings House. So um, Vision Coaching has helped so many companies and entrepreneurs find their coach approach and create companies that actually can make the change in the world that they want to see. And uh, so Vision Coaching... Uh, and uh, everything that you bring to the table, bringing Kim uh, in as well to help us make this podcast a, a success. We say thank you so much. And the great news, the other night, a few weeks ago, you and I bumped into a previous podcast guest, Mr. Paul Simmons himself. Why don't you tell our, our listeners about our, our newest gold sponsor for our podcast? Yes, Robert Simmons is a fabulous place, um, well-known to people throughout New Brunswick, but also um, you can shop there online, men's and women's clothing. And um, uh, Paul Simmons, who is, uh, I I mean, I think they've been going on 20 years now, the founder of the company, um, brings the customer experience to a whole nother level. I say that because I shop there. um, You know, if you were to say, Dave, you look really good wearing that particular suit, um, I would say, well, thank you. And I would have to credit Paul and his staff, which is fabulous. And it's it's an incredible experience. You've had it before shopping there. Um, I look great. What, me. And and what's the experience like? What are they? You walk, you walk into the door. You literally get asked if you'd like to have a, a glass of scotch or an espresso, and that's the beginning of the experience. And you walk out with a new set of clothes that makes you feel like uh, feel like a well dressed man or woman, depending on uh, on what you are as you walk into this incredible place. They have an incredible uh, magazine that they publish, I believe, quarterly. And the the next one's coming out, the fall issue of 2016. Um, They always, what we enjoy, and I think what aligns us with what what Robert Simmons does is is they make a point of of covering interesting, um, often uh, business-minded, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, um, community leaders in their publication, and they believe in promoting local. And it's coming out soon, and we have the good fortune of interviewing some of the people in the uh, in the September issue. Coming up, so uh, robertsimmons.com. And uh, yeah, so that's great. Thanks to our sponsors. And if anybody else uh, in, the, in the podcast sphere is interested in helping us uh, push our Boiling Point movement forward, be in touch. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling.
I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.